Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans. As we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to the latest View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel. It never rains, it only pours when you're an Evertonian and Sunday evening Everton fans got drenched. A difficult game for the Blues turned into a nightmare as arguably Everton's best midfielder Andre Gomez suffered a nightmare injury and VAR was up to its old tricks again. Joining me on this week's show we have two Blues who are going to talk over the Spurs game and look ahead to Everton's trip to Southampton. First up, we have Ben Crawford back on the show. How are things, Ben? I'm not bad, thanks, mate. Apart from the Blues, what about you? Um, yeah, I think I've got the Blues, to be honest, after <laughs> Sunday. Um, not feeling too good, but hopefully you'll be able to cheer me up. I'll try my best. I'm back on the show, making his first appearance this season. We have Tom Clark. Hello, Tom. You're all right. Yeah, yeah. Happy to be back on. Good, yeah. Well, it's good to have you back on. First appearance of the, the season, have you been? Yeah, not bad, yeah. It's just bad circumstances, isn't it? I think... Um, Pretty pleased to not be on this season with us sitting in 17th, but it's just a lot to moan about, really, isn't it? It is. Well, we'll definitely certainly have a moan. And um, Ben actually revealed just before we came on air that every time he's been on the show, um, we've lost lost the game, which is obviously looking back at the game. So that's, that's me on Twitter getting hounded out of the city, isn't it? Might have to stop inviting you on the show, to be oh, honest. But to be fair, if they'll start winning, that's fine with me. Oh, <laughs> Take well. it. I'll definitely have you back on the show, but <laughs> if it continues, then questions will be asked. Anyway, I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and I'll be asking the questions. And my first question, Ben, I'll, I'll go to you first. What have Everton fans done in a past life to have to put up with what's going on at the club currently? Unspeakable crimes, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but it was funny. I saw a tweet the other day, right? Where the new footy manager games come out, and someone's like tweeted actual people who run the sports and track of saying uh, this game is incomplete because Everton don't have like an automatic curse on them, <laughs> and that's pretty much what it feels like. Because every sort of Gabamon gets injured, Gomez gets injured. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if another player. So I'm not going to mention any names because, of course, the curse will strike again. Mm-hmm. So, so, how are you feeling about things at the moment? Um, you know, things aren't great, are they? No. There seems to be a lot more downs than there are ups. We've had a couple of wins, but, you know, Sunday, even though we, we didn't lose, you know, it, it kind of topped things off of the way this season's going. Yeah, it felt like a loss, obviously, losing Gomez. And we've got a, a lot of just, um, injuries, especially in that position as well at the moment. As I mentioned before, um, Gabami and Gomez both out as well, which leave us very short in that position. And we've got an important month coming up in December. We've got a lot of massive fixtures coming up. And to be sh- so short in that position, it's going to leave us desperately Desperately sure for those games, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be even more difficult than it already was with fixtures like that. Where are you on with, with Silver at the minute? I know you're a, a level-headed lad, so you know I'm sure you've you've been willing to give him a chance. But you know, patience is is probably starting to wear thin with most of the fan base at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, after the West Ham game, I think there was a little bit of optimism that we turned things around and we turned the corner, but obviously that's been dashed um, over the last couple of weeks, and um, we haven't been playing. Awfully, um, to be fair, we weren't playing as badly as we have been, as, as I've seen us this season in recent weeks. So I'd say at this moment, I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
try and get rid of him at this moment. I think um, obviously there's been a big awful thing happens to Gomez yesterday. I think that could bring the squad together. Hopefully, um, that's what I'm clinging to anyway. And hopefully, um, we've got to keep that squad together. And obviously, with these difficult fixtures coming up as well, I don't want to. Destabilize things. Obviously, it's 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 not the best at the moment, but to to throw such instability into the club at a moment of such difficulty would bring crisis. To be honest, I think so. So, um, well, we've got to stick with them for, for the moment, at least. Do you agree with that, Ben? I, I mean, I don't want to go on. This is not a silver. Should he go? Should he stay? Podcast. Yeah. It, it's not. But we are going to get to Spurs as well as Southampton. You know that they are on the agenda, but obviously, it, it's a talking point, and you know. If he was to to be sacked and he was to go, another manager who comes in would have the same issues. You know, Gomez is not going to come back just because a new manager's come in. Gabaman is going to be easy. out as well. So, what what do you agree with what Tom said there? I agree with a lot of what he said there. But to be honest, uh, if I go back to something I said on one of the podcasts, I think we had about five six weeks ago, where I said I actually don't think he's making the best of the squad he's got, and I still think that's the case. Obviously, losing Gomez for me is just massive. I mean. Could have happened at a worse time. The fixtures coming up, and yeah, we are like midfield. I still think you know the squad he's got is capable of. I don't want to sound negative, but at least the top half finish, a top eight finish. But obviously, without Gomez, I don't think we get further than that. So, as much as I'm trying to give him time, and I don't ever want to see a manager sack, but you know what? He's got to turn it around because at the moment it just feels as like we're going game by game, just waiting for the inevitable. I mean, Tom, the. The core whole season has been to play four three three, hasn't it? That you know the formation. And to be fair, he had those, the players that played. He had those players that played that formation. And for me, it, we looked flat. We didn't look. You know, I thought I thought Richarlison was was isolated. I mean, I thought Walcott was probably decent. I thought he was okay. I will be, you know, running the running the channels a bit like you know not really. Happening a lot, a lot of endeavour and stuff like that. Um, I thought Gomez probably didn't have his best game for Everton. I don't think not much was happening before before the injury. So you know he's played that four three three and 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 nothing. Maybe the, the performance was poor, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what everyone's been calling for. Obviously, because he, he talked about that formation before he first came in. It looked like that was the formation he'd go with, and he hasn't all along. So finally, he's reverted to that and away from playing two defensive midfielders against some poor teams earlier this season, but. I can see. I saw yesterday all the same problems that I've seen under the four-two-three-one in the terms of his silver system. He likes to play it to the fullbacks and expects them to carry the forwards. And we've got two fullbacks who don't like to carry the ball forwards, but they prefer to pass it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so anyway. In Coleman and Dean, obviously Sidibe played yesterday, but um, yeah, I, th- I think the problem is in that um, is that we're playing it to the fullbacks too much and they're not driving forwards, and that happens in a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. We, we, we're scared to play through the middle. We, we don't play through the middle very much um, in either of those two formations, proved by yesterday anyway. And I, th- I think we need to use it through the middle for more because we have got talent in that midfield, but we just don't use it enough. It's, it's interesting what you say about the full, full-backs because Sadibi, who's, who's come in past couple of games, he's actually looked bright, hasn't he? He's, he, he's, he's, he's been sharp and he's probably the one to to go forward and drive forward a little bit. I mean, Dean, he's a he's a... He's not the player he was, is he at the minute compared to last season? You know, some of his some of his um, his, his free kicks and corners weren't, weren't even the, beating the first man. I mean, yeah, I, I know what you're saying about Luca Dean. You know what though? That cross for the for the equaliser. Well, that, was, yeah, obviously that was. It, if it takes one moment like that in a match, if that's like a left sided winger or a midfielder, you look at that and go, "That's his moments of quality. That's what he's there for." I don't think I, I personally haven't really got a problem with the way Luca Dean's playing. I think. Maybe giving him the captain's armband a bit prematurely, he's put a bit too much weight of expectation on his shoulders. 
But I certainly think he's, you know, other than now Gomez, who's injured, probably our best player pound for pound. So I don't really, I don't know how comfortable I feel with having a goal in, but the 4-3-3 for me, it didn't work because the midfield, it was too deep compared to the forwards. So the front three were completely isolated, like you said, Ian. And I think to play that formation effectively, what you need is three really good forwards. And I don't think we've got that at the moment. And that's where we're falling down. Because those three up front on their own in that system have to be able to create and score their own cha- and score from their own chances. Mm-hmm. And that's that we haven't got that at the moment, unfortunately. I mean, what about the subs then? The, 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 obviously, Silver's brought Tosin on, who scored the goal. So, you know, that that's a positive. Again, I, I just felt the subs were, were very strange. We we lost a lot of shape when when Walcott went off and Tosin came on. Like, kind of felt like, you know, didn't really know where many people were playing. And, and when Tottenham went down to 10 men, it still felt like they still had 11 men. He does that a lot. He just likes to throw attackers on, doesn't he? And with not much idea of where to put them. Um, I think... We saw Gilfie Sigurdsson as a defensive midfielder yesterday towards the end of the game. We saw, I think, wondering where Cheng Tosin was playing, whether it was two up front with Calvert-Lewin or whether he was in number 10. I felt like it went like that with about five minutes, ten minutes to go. Yeah, it was, no one really had any idea with who who was playing where and obviously a lot of players playing out of position and it's not the answer, just throw attackers on and he's been called out on that already and he has changed a lot of the things that he's been called out on but that's one of the things he hasn't changed which he has been called out on. If you're going to make substitutions... Fair enough, going up, going all all out, but you've got to have some kind of structure there because that's that's football. You need to have structure there, and he, he doesn't seem to be doing that, and he doesn't seem to be playing his players in the best position when he does try and do that. I mean, we, I don't want to criticise too much because Tosin came on Ben and, and scored the goal, he did, didn't yeah. he? And, you know, Donna Carver Lewin, he you know he's strong, isn't he? he? Can hold the ball up, and I felt like he did have um, somewhat of an impact, and I felt that Tosin. Didn't get his head on that. Donna Carver Lewin was going to get his head on that, so yeah. could have fell to anyone really that goal. I mean, great cross by Luka Dean, by the way. Unbelievable cross and a great ball from Yeri Mina as well in the build-up. You know, it's difficult for me because I'm not a massive Calvert-Lewin fan. I appreciate what he does and all that. It's another debate entirely, but I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he should be starting games for us regularly. At the moment, maybe, while we've got not many options, but long-term, I don't think he's the right number nine for us. But regardless of that, I think with Tosin, he doesn't look cut out for me to the Premier League and he hasn't done since he signed, but you know what he does give you when he comes on? The heart desire that that should come a standard for a you know Premier League footballer, but he does get himself in the box, and if he gets a chance, he normally normally buries it. He's a good finisher, and maybe he's exactly the type of striker you you want to have on the bench because he doesn't really come in, link the play, or set others up for chances. But he will get on the end of it, and when you backs up backs against the wall and you're trying to throw the ball in against ten men like that, he's probably the best option we've got to try and sniff out a chance in the area. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, um, to be fair, I think when he came on yesterday, he probably was the player who looked most like trying to win it for Everton because a lot of them didn't look, even to the latter stage of the game, a lot of them were still passing it backwards with the last seconds of the game where any passionate Everton team would have just hit it forward and just gone, put it, just put it in the box anyway and that's what the fans were screaming out for. And so going nuts to DB for not throwing that yeah, ball Oh, in. that one right at the end. Oh, I mean, I'm not criticising him, he played well and he, and he had a great game, but I just thought, money. just get it in. Yeah. You know, just try and get it in and get it in the danger zone. Instead, he, he he went back and lost the ball, didn't he? It's crazy. Yeah, a lot of them were doing that. A lot of them were passing it backwards and just didn't seem to be taking initiative. That's that's obviously it's a different issue, but I do think there's no people bear, taking taking leadership in the team and bear the weight on the shoulders. There's no one willing to do that. But that's a different issue completely. But yeah, I think Tosin was one of the only ones who looked like he was really trying to get that goal yesterday. I know they all were obviously bothered, but he looked the one with the most initiative. But probably unfortunately 
less talent than other players. And I, th- I do think he's down our pecking order at the moment, potentially even fourth in the pecking order behind all of Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin and Moise Keane. Um, but obviously he's had decent form since he's come on in the last couple of games. I think it's a goal, goal and assist at least. And um, so he, he has had decent form, but he's, he's not good enough to start, I don't think, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, just going back to like when we're, when we're in a prominent position and we end up going back, this is what I was trying to say about Dean. Like, he's definitely not up to the standards as he was last season. He's been given the captain's armband and he you know created a, a great goal with the assist. There was a period of play in the first half where um, Dean and Awobi were kind of attacking on the left-hand side towards the, the not as far as the away end, but you know, quite close. And he didn't really run with the ball or try and take a man on. He, it just ended up coming back to Mina. And it was like, well, let's let's start again at all. Why why have we done that? Why haven't we not tried to at least get him behind, take a man on? And instead it's maybe this is instructions from, from Silver every time, build up from the back. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to show you it if we had a screen here and show you now exactly what I mean. And obviously I can't. If you, if you can remember, then that's fair enough. But I just thought it's so frustrating. Why are we going back when we're literally... You know, three quarters of the way up the pitch. I think. I think what it is in regards to that. I think we've seen the best of Luca Dean when Bernard's been in the team with him, because mm. I think Bernard, uh, he's a natural sort of winger, and he gives you sort of if you find space and he finds space out wide and he cuts inside. His movement's fantastic. Is the point I'm trying to make, and that allows Luca Dean to move up the pitch into space. Now, Alex Awobi, he didn't have a great game on Sunday, but I am a fan of his. But I think he's a, you know, it's it's in stone. He's a number ten. I think it's a waste to play him out wide. And if you're gonna want to get the best out of Luhin, I think you've got to play with a natural winger. And I don't think that's for Charles neither, by the way. But I think would he's better with a winger alongside him, like Bernard. And that way, I think you'll see more of him because at the moment there's no options in front of him. So the ultimate sort of safe bet is to just pick up the ball and play a sideways pass backwards to not lose possession. I mean, the Awobi mistake was a killer, wasn't it? Like, just literally, whether it's concentration or what, or you know, poor, poor judgments, he literally just passes it to a Spurs player. They go, they, they go on and break and score. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I, I was trying to watching a batch, just thinking, who's he trying to pass it to there? It was Delph or the centre back, but he gets nowhere near either of them. And it's it, a backwards pass in that position is risky anyway. And I don't know why he's not looking forwards because the way he plays in front of him. But it was it was just a moment. It was just a shock of a moment, and it. It's the, unfortunately the type of moment that shapes games and it did shape that game, unfortunately, because I do think we could have held in there and kept that clean sheet if it weren't for that stupid mistake. But uh, yeah, it was it was a terrible pass. Um, but I think uh, he has been showing decent form in, in the other games. So he, he, he's done enough to keep his side, he's placing that side hopefully in that number 10 position, uh, which he is better in. But that was just a bit of a shocker of a moment, just a, just a bad mistake. Is the, is the most frustrating thing not the, f- the fact that Spurs were, were terrible as well? You know, well, t- how, many t- how many teams are we playing this season who were just there for the taking? Well, that's sort of... So they could say the same thing about us, don't get me wrong, but... Well, that's one of the worrying things for me. I was talking to my dad before the match, before we were getting in the car to go. And he pointed out that the only games we've actually won this season, twice against Watford, who are bottom and are awful, then against West Ham, who have now conspired to lo- what, win one in five games or mm. something. They're and then run, are they? Exactly, so... We're sort of only beaten the teams that, and at the time, obviously, Wolves were struggling in the Europa League. So we've only sort of turned up and beaten teams who were even in a worse position than us when we played them, to be fair. And that's that's one thing that worries me a little bit. But Tottenham look a bit like we do. You know, we could have won yesterday and gone above Tottenham. So that's suddenly not that bad of an outlook on the season, is it? If you're above Tottenham, you're doing okay and you can start progressing up the table with a bit of what, three points off fifth or something like that. 
But the fact is, we just didn't smell blood for me. That first half should have all been about pressing high up the pitch, a little bit like we did against West Ham. And when their defenders are passing the ball around to each other to centre-half to left-back, etc., we should have been on them and Charleston should have been the start of that press. And if you start winning the ball back in their own half in that first half, Tottenham... Tottenham probably panic with their current form. The problem is we let them get into the game. Well, we started off. We let them into again. the game. That was the fault. That was our fault for sort of building their confidence. They probably came to Goodison thinking they'd have a shaky first half, and that you know they'll be under the cosh a bit. And we didn't. We simply just laid off and sort of said, "You you can have you can have all the ball you want at the back," and then sort of we just kept right in our own half. And I don't think it worked. And they didn't even have the best so-called best player, Harry Kane. He is the best player, isn't he? He's brilliant, but... A lot of people do say that Tottenham played better without Harry Kane, then. I, I, I don't know about that myself. I don't see how you can lose the 30-odd goals a season he scores and replace it with someone who doesn't score as many goals and mm. be better off his, his quality. And when I saw his name wasn't in the squad, I was made up. I wasn't thinking, oh, God, we'll be up against Lucas Moura. I was thinking, thank God Harry Kane's not playing. Depends how they play. I think um, they play a different side with Harry Kane in that team, but... I think when they are better without Kane, the team is when they play more and Son up front together, um, which they did last season quite a bit, and it showed it was obviously a rapid um, up front pairing, and they weren't doing that yesterday. It was it was Lucas Moura up top on his own and Son out on the wing, and that just wasn't as effective. And I don't see why Pochettino did that to be honest, because it wasn't as effective as having them both up front, which which proved effective last year. But obviously, um, yeah, with the best player, I was I thought we had a chance, but. And it looked like we did have a chance, but for me, that game summed up the season so far for Everton in terms of they were there for the taking, as you say. And for me, this season, this league is there for the taking. The big six have fallen apart. It's not the big six that was so solid so in the last we. couple of years. Yeah. So have we, we've yeah. fallen apart yeah, exactly. as well. we have. And um, as I say, the, the league's there for the taking. And we have we had the chance to get up there like Leicester are and build some momentum and actually have a go because everyone else is not at the best this season, but we just haven't taken it. And that was just like yesterday. Is it... I'm going to make a case for Silver here. Is it, is it not just a case of very, very unlucky VAR decisions in the past um, two to three games? Um, because if we'd have won Brighton and if we'd, we'd yeah. beaten Tottenham, we would not. We would be four points better off um, and certainly higher up the table. Yeah, I think there's an element of bad luck in it, but I think that's just sort of when you know when they sign a contract, that must be in the remit of the job that you just got to get everything against you. <laughs> but um, to be honest, I think he's made his own mistakes just as much though. I think how many times I don't know about you, Tom, but how many times have you looked at the team sheet and thought oh, I don't know about that? It's the same thing again. You know, we've got beat three one away at Bournemouth last week. Then we go into the game against Sheffield United, same kind of formation, same kind of personnel, and it's just sort of. You can't do the same thing over and over again and expect something different. And as much as he's had a bit of bad luck, did do something different against Spurs, though. <laughs> and I didn't. Th- yeah, I, I agree, and I'll never have a go at him for that. I'll never judge his team selection if he's trying to, you know, change it up. But it, it didn't work, and now he's got to. In my opinion, it didn't work anyway. So now he's got to find something else again. But you know, if you keep going around with trying to find something eventually you might strike gold and find something that works I think a lot of teams do that not many teams and many managers come in to a new team like Rodgers at Leicester he hasn't come in straight away and implemented that system they played five at the back for most of the most of the final games of last season they've come in and they've got a philosophy now and a way of playing that works and they can stick with that but while it's not working we shouldn't be sticking the way we're doing basically what do you think Tom? yeah he's changed the formation and I think 
he could have done it with better players and better positions, to be honest. I think if you're going to play 4-3-3, um, I know Walcott's been in form, but I'd play someone else. I wouldn't play Richarlison up front in a 4-3-3. A 4-3-3 places a lot of importance on the striker, and he's simply not a striker. Um, I think if you are going to play that system, if anyone, maybe Moise Keane will probably Calvert-Lewin up front in that system that we've got at the moment. Because as we were saying before, Richarlison wasn't often pressing from the front, um, which Calvert-Lewin does, to be fair, he does he does press from the front. And that, that off-the-ball work does offer quite a lot to the squad, even if he's not converting as many goals as we'd like him to. Um, even though he, he has quite a few this season but I do think that four three three could work with different players but it just didn't yesterday because it, it wasn't the right players and and your take on obviously in the last two league games at VAR we've been you know some would say very very unlucky at some of the decisions that have gone against us and you know some of the decisions that, are, that haven't even been checked yeah it's, it's, it's shocking there's no clear rule in terms of I wrote an article about this last week but what gets checked and what doesn't get checked needs to be much clearer this clear and obvious, clear and obvious rule that's subjective in itself. What what is clear and obvious? That's obviously what gets overturned. But what gets checked as well? Obviously, other sports have systems like challenges where teams can come and say that that decision was wrong. Check that for us. Whereas with this, no one knows what's getting checked. Everyone's oblivious. Paying fans who have paid all their money to go and sit in the stadium and watch what's going on don't know what's going on because it's simply not being shown. Everything should be shown on the monitors. Any decision and. I think the conversation between the referees should be getting played as well so everyone knows what's going on because it's it's a mess at the moment and they've introduced a system which isn't refined and it's just very raw and it's 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 just not good enough at the moment. And if if you're gonna use yeah, I'm all, I'm all up for technology if used correctly and it's not it's not being used correctly. I mean the officiating seems to have got worse since we've got VAR coming in. Now you know, we, we understand that referees make mistakes and you know, there was calls for this to come in for for years, hasn't it? And for me, I've always thought I wanted to give it a chance because what's the point in saying like, you know, well, I'm not using that even though you haven't even given it a chance, but it's clearly not working, is it, Ben? Like, there's how many, like, if you're checking one thing and, and not checking the other, there's one, there's penalties being given for the exact same thing with other penalties not being given. Well, to be fair, I think what we've magically been able to do in this country is turn one bad referee in performance a day into five referees getting it wrong, <laughs> three, you know, four of which you were sat watching replay after replay and one who's on the pitch not really knowing what's going on and that's uh, that's that's the main problem I couldn't agree more to be fair what Tom said about it should be on the screens and that I think they don't do it in the same way they don't do many replays on the screens it's because it might incite the crowd And but if the crowd's not there to influence the referee as best he can in a home game that's the point in home support isn't it but we, we, I'd be very surprised to be honest if nothing's done about it in terms of getting the referees to walk over and watch the monitors because them standing on the pitch with their hands to the rear and then looking at all the players and he's just going, I don't know what's going on, I'm just getting told. It, mm. It's a farce really. No other sport other than football would have this. And I know it's not clear cut like Hawkeye, etc. like that in tennis, but it's got to be a better way. It's almost, football's almost too quick of a game, too fast paced of a game, isn't it? Like speaking to someone about it um, after after yesterday's game and it works in rugby because it obviously it is a little bit slower. Um, you know, sometimes you're already knowing rugby that you're gonna get a penalty even though the games like progress, do you know what I mean? So it'll come back and say, Well, you you've got your penalty. That's all that's always been around. The referee, you can hear what he's saying, he communicates, he seems to for one not know know what they're doing. I mean, in terms of let's talk about the incidents during the game, but we'll come on to the, the, the Gomez thing, which I've received 
dogs abuse for on Twitter of some of the things that I've said, but you know, I still stand by uh, a lot of it. But let's talk about the first controversial one, the the son penalty where Yeri Mina kind of <laughs> just throws his body at him, and then he does he does make contact. So what was your what was your take on that when you first saw it? He was rolling, and uh, I think. He was falling over, and he was as he was rolling. He's he's rolled on his foot, and he's not he's not meant to roll over on someone's foot. Um, I think Son's felt contact and gone over because he's felt contact. He's but, almost jumped up though as well, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's not just fell over. He's, he's kind of yeah, jumped up. Yeah, it's, he's felt something, and he's just done a natural dive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say it is a dive because he, obviously he's felt contact, but it was exactly. But it's a contact sport, isn't yeah. it? Was it en- was it enough for him to? To actually fall from that contact, like you said, he, he he's touched, but you know, I could touch Ben now, and he's he's not going to fall over, is he? Do you know what I mean? That's he would have to jump, like kind of oh, fall will over. Will there be a VAR that. check? There could be a VAR check. Oh well, we'll never get the right decision anyway. Already. So there's it's, no point me no, calling that. No it? penalty. No penalty. <laughs> no penalty. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, so would you say that was no penalty? Yeah, to be honest, yeah, I, um, I don't think it was yellow card either, but I would say no pe- no penalty. Yeah. I mean, Ben, I feared the worst for that because I was sat in the lower guard and we were quite far <laughs> away. I definitely thought they were going to give that. But looking back at it, it definitely wasn't. A so, in a way, VAR has worked for that, hasn't it? Absolutely. You know what, though? Funny you should say that. Cause obviously I... did, sorry to interrupt. They did check it again. They checked the check, didn't they? Oh, Which God. Is, like, obscene. So many checks for every single incident. But you know what's funny about it, actually? Because me and my dad, we sit in the park end, so completely the opposite end. He was right in front of us. And straight away, me and my dad looked at each other and went, it's a penalty. It didn't look intentional, but it looked to us as though Yerry Mears just fell over and on the way down, he's clips on off the ball and he didn't get anywhere near the ball, so we thought straight away penalty. When the play carried on, we thought, oh, fine, fair enough. When they did the check and they were waiting, waiting minute after minute, we were just um, looking at it going, I'll tell you what, that that's Stonewall penalty. And then we saw the replay uh, when we got home, went, okay, fair enough. The referee got that one right, so it's a good job I'm not a referee at the same time, to be honest. Well, that's that. That was that incident. Um, the next one was the Richarlison uh, trip, which I thought was just bang on Stonewall penalty. Now I know we're obviously biased here, do you know what I mean? And you know, there's obviously going to be Everton fans no biased on the Everton podcast. No, no. I, I mean, I just thought it was a penalty, and I was like, I was screaming, like, thinking, why is this not getting checked? I mean. Did it get checked? I, I don't know. It, it did get checked officially was the word uh, that they released anyway. But, but it I don't didn't know come up much. on the screen, though? No, to be fair. No, well, I didn't see any of them come up on the... Oh, sorry, the thing that says VAR, check it. The no, you're right, it didn't. And I thought that, yeah. The Richarlison one didn't come up on the screen. It's inconsistency, isn't it? It's, it's, within the technology, it's inconsistency. I, I wasn't sure whether it was like the ball had to go out to play for it to be checked. I, I don't know. Again, I, this, this is what we don't know. We don't the game know has to stop, are. apparently, but whether it does every time. The players are also supposed to walk off the near side of the pitch as well. It just doesn't happen, does But it? did you think that was a penalty? Yeah. Richardson? No, not personally. Richardson won? You no, didn't? I, I didn't, I'll be honest. Wow. No, I thought he, um, I thought he made it. Uh, you've seen him give him, but at the same time, he was never going to get it because of the way he was behaving for the rest of the game, but I didn't personally. No, I thought the handball was a penalty and that should have, that should have been a stonewall penalty and a yellow card, if not more, because... When that one, sorry if you're going to go on to this by the way, but the handball, while we were all waiting for the VAR check, we had it on our phones, you know, mm. like uh, in the park end, we 
my dad had a phone out with the Sky Sports footage on. Yeah. And I, I didn't think anything of it. We were sort of going, what, what's happened? What are they checking? As soon as we saw it, we were all screaming in the park end penalty because that was that was a stonewall penalty. There's no debate about that one. I mean, with, with the handball one, as far as I knew at the start of this season, if it hit your hand, it was a penalty, regardless of whether you intended to or not. So it just it just has to hit your arm, your hand, whatever, and it's a penalty. So why why was that not given? I don't know if that's on the way to being a goal. I'm, I've, I haven't checked up on the rule, but if if it is, the, the fact that it's touched his hand, they've shown it. Obviously, I was watching from home. If they've shown it, I'd, I'd say at least. I say 50, that's not even exaggerating. They've shown it at least 50 times, the fact that it hit his hand and his hand was above his head. And they've shown it and they've shown it and they've shown it and they've shown it. And I've then seen them no given penalty. those penalties. Yeah. Unnatural position, isn't that the rule? If, you're, if your arm's in an unnatural position and your hand up in the air, don't what sport he was playing, but he wasn't football if he's got his hand that high. Well, the Premier League released a statement and I'm sure... I'm sure you've read it, but it reads, the, the VAR considered that both Deli Ali and Yeri Mina were challenging for the ball in the air and Ali was under pressure from the attacker as the ball struck his hand. Yeri Mina's horrible, and he for like, you know, trying to win the ball. What's he playing at? You know what I mean? I know. And then, <laughs> no contact in football. It's not as if Yeri Mina pushed Deli Ali's hand up in the well, air in that unnatural position. It's crazy, isn't it? Even if you're challenging for the ball, why do you go like that when you're challenging for the ball? I mean, to be honest, at the game, it, it, it was quite funny because... Even though they, it came up on the screen that it was being checked, a lot of people around us didn't know what it was being checked for. I didn't. I didn't, didn't know what it was for. Didn't know what it was being whether it was being checked for a handball. That, that I only realised that after after the game. Um, so obviously, it's only noticeable through you know the the faint eye, and but that's what VAR is meant to be there for. I mean, I I just found it just find it insane, absolutely absolutely insane that that wasn't given as a penalty. So they they're the three. Um, I understand Martin Atkinson's under a huge amount of pressure. And he's got forty thousand Everton fans screaming at him. It's not, it's not a job that I would personally, personally want to do. But I, I just feel that VAR is, it's, it's almost letting the referees just pass on the decisions now, and just they're not going to make the decision. Yeah, and they don't have to run over to the monitors. So they just let someone else who's thousands or hundreds of miles away and just let them make the decision. Take the pressure right off them. It's only the Premier League that does that as well. You see, even even within football, you have other leagues and other tournaments which which have the referee going over to the monitor. And even in the Prem, the monitors sit there expensively, just sitting there, just completely idle because they say it saves time. It saves time, the referee running over. And obviously they want it to be speedy, but it doesn't save time. If they're going to look at it that many times and everyone's not going to know what's going on. Honestly, with that Ali handball yesterday, you couldn't have looked at it more. Even if the referee would have run over, had to look at it as many times as he wants, it wouldn't take as long as it did. With the indecisiveness, I thought of the VAR official himself. I just feel like they're not following their own rules. Like the handball, if it hits your hand, start season, hit your hand, it's a penalty regardless. So it hits Ellie's hand and he still haven't given it as a penalty regardless of whether he was under pressure from Yeri Mina. It's crazy. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast. Moving on to the the, the, the Gomez situation, obviously it was absolutely horrific. Um, what, what what were your initial thoughts on it? Uh, again, like I say, I was sat in the park end, so I didn't get the best view of it. But I was sort of just, you see a tackle like that go in, you see everyone trying to get, it's like say, Sancho go off. And then all of a sudden I saw Seamus Coleman, I think it was with the green bib, run on the pitch and just wave his arms like a madman. And I thought, oh dear. That that's it. He, he's done. Coleman's looked at that and gone. 
as soon as it was Coleman as well, I thought he knows exactly what's happened there. That's a break. And then you saw the likes of Tosin on the floor trying to keep Gomez as sort of his head down so he wasn't looking at the injury. And then Luca Dean, to be fair to him, is like bemoaning all the Tottenham staff and everyone trying to get people on the pitch quickly and get him off because I tell you what, he must have been in some pain. And from then on, the game, it was insignificant to me. I, we, I know we came back and fought well to it, but we're never going to win it from that point. I didn't think, even against seven men. And it just was a very, very sober mood coming out the ground. And it's just a, a real shame because it, it's it, it's not a player who, who's been here for years. It's a player we just bought like permanently and he's just getting into form. And we haven't won a game in all competitions this season when Andre Gomez hasn't played. Well... We'll we'll come on to that because obviously we have we have got issues now. He is arguably our best player. Um, Tom, what did you what did you make of the of, of the tackle from from some? Because you know, again, from where, where I was in the, in the low glass, again there was a lot of confusion. Like didn't really know kind of what was going on. From what I could see, it was some was elbowed it from from Gomez, and I felt like he he kind of lost his head after that, and he he he, he did go in to take Gomez out. Now I'm not saying. Any way, shape, or form, that he went in to, to break his leg. Obviously, the 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 main um, source of contact for the leg break is from the other player, isn't it? For the other the other Tottenham player, but you know he's he's definitely gone in to to take him out. He's, he was never going to win that ball in, in, at all. No, it's it's two of them. No, it's um, there's a lot being placed on Son, and obviously he's lost his head a little bit and he slid in, um, which was cynical, um, but. Aurier, to, for Aurier to come in when Gomez is already on his way down. He's kind of wedged, isn't he, between the two of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for two, Why does he need two of them to just scissor him together? And it, it, why would you do that to someone? And Aurier, why, why would he feel responsible if Son has already brought Gomez down to also slide in on Gomez? Like, I, I just think he's a player, Serge Aurier. I don't think he's got enough blame for this, honestly. And I think he's lacked composure in other games as well. He's been suspended quite a lot. But, but for him to come and slide in on a player already on his way down absolutely diabolical and he mm. should have been sent off of anyone even if Son got yellow card and Aurier got the red because that was absolutely cynical and it was like, even more so than, than Son it was it was awful and um, the, the fact that he stayed in the pitch after that was was shocking to me and uh, I do think Martin, Martin Atkinson didn't know what to do he just got his red card out and picked it up and gave it to, to, give, give it to Son because obviously he made that first challenge even though he does he got his yellow out and put it back and got, mm. him, got his red yeah. out uh, he's Atkinson. probably been told hasn't he yeah, he's been told how, how bad it was, and um, he just lost control of that came in my opinion. But but yeah, I I put more of the blame on Aurier to be honest. To to slide in on a player who's already on his way down from his local challenge is is awful. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Son did it purely because like did that type of challenge because he was elbowed by by Gomez? I mean, it, it happened in the space of probably like two minutes, probably less from what I can remember. Yeah, you know what? He's probably got a bee in his bonnet and he's kicked out. But unfortunately. I've got not a lot of, as much sympathy as a lot of people have with him because regardless of whether he tried to injure Andre Gomez, he has took him out miles away from the ball. Is he was never going to be He, he well? was never going to win the ball. So he's not trying to break his leg. Of course he hasn't. But he's tried to trip him up. Did he I mean, think for one a, minute Gomez wasn't going to go down? He's only crying and feeling guilty because he, he realises you know, what he's done. He's known full well, really, that he's gone in for that challenge, known full well he's not going to get the ball. Yeah. And he's going to take the man. Exactly, and it was mainly Serge Aurier's presence that caused the break because he ran into him. But you know what? That It is just, that's the type of game. If that was Sunday League, there'd be a scrap on the pitch for that because that's just a cynical trip. Absolutely, completely away from the ball. And okay, he didn't mean to hurt the lad that much, but it, 
probably the tackle itself didn't deserve a red card, but the the context has got to be looked at because that is, a, you know, we hear today he's had the surgery and he's going to make a, hopefully a full recovery, which is great news. But, you know, 10 years ago, that could end somebody's career and because he's been petulant and kicked out because he's frustrated. We get being frustrated, but at the end of the day, he, he deserved to pay by walking off the pitch, I think. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to like dwell too much on that, but, you know, it's devastating, isn't it? You know, the impact now of what that's going to have on, on, on the team. He's he's our best, arguably our best midfielder. We've already lost our new midfielder, Inga Bamman. So, what what options have we got and what can what can we do now? Because let's face it, if Silver goes next week after Southampton, the same manager is gonna have the same, same problems. Yeah, we've we've bought all the players for Silver System now. So if another manager came in, it's still Silver's players and still have a silver system, um, unfortunately. But we are desperately short in that position and it's gonna have to be Davis and Delph, I think, even though Davis um, as the whole holding midfielders, yeah, yeah. Even even though Davis, Schneiderlin is obviously there as well. Yeah, Schneiderlin as well. Yeah, but like I, I know Silva does like him, but he's 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 not good enough for me. And um, but yeah, um, Tom Davis might have to be played in that position. And I like Davis, and I think we do need a player in the defensive midfield, midfield position to carry the ball forward. Um, but he has been he's been used as a number ten a lot um, under Silva recently. So to bring him back into defensive midfield would be. Um, bit of a backwards move, um, but it, it's going to have to be forced because we we just haven't got enough um, options in that position. Well, there's one option. I mean, I think Ben, we talked about this actually a, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I can't I was remember just if you're on the spot, yeah. but Sigurdsson is, you know, a centre midfielder effectively. Yep. Whether he plays behind the strikers or not, whether that's his best position, but he may be forced into, you know, forced into this by by going deeper, might you know? Absolutely, and I think I think we were calling for it on the pod a few weeks ago. Um, he's got all the qualities to play deeper. I don't know why he doesn't. He's a great passer of the ball. He's great um, for long shots. He's got energy as well. I think people, maybe because he's not the quickest, people underplay that a bit. But is you know his pressing and his movement, he gets some like the highest stats for like how he's running off the ball and that in the league. So I think now's the time. Again, it goes back to another point I I made previously about finding more solutions, like good managers. Yeah. They don't just sort of bemoan what's happened in front of them. They find different solutions and maybe... I think Davis was fantastic the other day, so he should keep his place. And Delph didn't do anything wrong either. But if we're going to progress this season, try and make the best of it, I think we need to try and develop Sigurdsson in the mould that Gomez is in. It's a sort of deep-lying playmaker. Cause I think he did that when he came on. I think, Tom, you said to me off-air before that when Sigurdsson come on, he was playing very deep in the midfield and he seems to have a lot of space to create and dictate the play. And I think if if Silva doesn't look at doing that, I think he's missed this, Rick. Okay. We've we've obviously got a huge game coming up now. If the pressure wasn't already on Marco Silva before now, it's, it certainly is. You know, Southampton away. I mean, we. I don't know what our uh, record is, but I can seem to remember it's not. It's not great <laughs> over the past uh, couple of seasons. That was arguably the game. I think we lost pretty badly in Cumin. Uh, yeah. Left. Yeah. Um, after a pretty poor result against those last season, or the sorry, the season before last. Be last season as well. Yeah. Mm. So it's 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 obviously it's obviously bad. Three years on the bounce, actually. Three years on the bounce, we've lost, and we don't win away games, do we? So it's. I mean, I, I felt I, obviously, as you can imagine, I felt like Silver. I don't know if he's watched his post-match press conference. He's obviously thinking of Gomez, and you know, 
the end of the day, like you said, the result was really you know, ineffective because of what happened. He looked very forlorn, Silva. Like there was, there wasn't, there wasn't much fight in him. That's what you want to see from your manager—a bit of passion, isn't it? I just wanted him to stand up and fight time. for the club. Yeah, I felt this was a perfect time to introduce like a, a siege, siege mentality. Of course, you know everyone's <laughs> Gomez is the one who's injured and Korea threatening injury, and everyone's defending. We're too son. apologetic. We've, we've been like that exactly as a club. We're mean, too yeah. soft-centered as a club generally, I think, and that's that's one of the issues going forward. But you know what? For the manager, it's. It looked defeatist to me, and I don't like to see. I like to see an Everton manager come out after a late goal like that and fight for the club and sort of get across, even with the tactics when he's been asked questions in press conference, just fight for what he believes in and get the points across. Where he seems to just come out and just sort of you know, shrivel into a little chair and just sort of nod. And if he really wants to save his job, he needs to get the fans on side and mm. just get behind the club and the team. And like you say, seize mentality, it's us versus them, no in between. A lot of people have come out. And defended Son, and you know that that that's fair enough. That's that's obviously their, their opinion. I I kind of wanted Silver not to come out and slate him. I'm, I'm not and criticize him. I'm not saying that, but you know he refused to answer, or he was reluctant to answer a question on on the incident. And Pochettino's come out and gone. It was never a red card. It, it was. It, it should never have been a red card. And Spurs have already come out and appealed it. Whereas Silver's just gone. I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to speak about it. Like it just doesn't fill you with much confidence for. That the fight, do you know what I mean? The fight from from within. Yeah, if he if he's not learned by now that Evertonians appreciate passion, if not anything else, if not even any talent, then we need Evertonians, especially among other fan bases, demand passion. And he simply hasn't got that, unfortunately. Um, he's got other aspects that are good to his his management style, but he's he's not passionate about, enough about the club. Um, and that's been from the start. It's from through the the, the crises. He's been just stood there, just shrugging on the touchline. He doesn't look bothered enough and. In the past, we've had managers through the years who really are bothered. Even even in the recent past, in the likes of uh, David Moyes, was obviously very very passionate about the club. Even the likes of Cumin and Martin Martinez oh, would come out and yeah, yeah we come out in the press conference and and say something. Whereas this guy, he just he just shrugs and um, it's 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 not passionate enough. And if 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 anything, that's what'll get him sacked. What does he do this week then? Because he's got to pick the, the team up, hasn't he? Ben, you know, we'll look ahead to Southampton now. We, I've seen a lot of interviews from players coming out afterwards, and he just said that the dressing the dressing room was just so down. It was just like he said. I think Holgate came out and said that it felt like we it was a defeat. We, yeah. He's, he's got <laughs> got to pick us up, hasn't he? Because he's going to lose his job if well, he no. carries on. It's it's a difficult one, but you know what? The easiest way to answer your question is: What does he have to do? He has to win. Okay, he comes away with a draw. It's not the worst result in the world, but. It, it's not good enough, I don't think. Is it enough to keep his job? I don't know, because I personally wouldn't have been surprised when it was the last international break after the Burnley game if they'd have sacked him. Uh, moving on from that, we've had one great game against West Ham, an average performance against Watford, albeit with a win. So we've got to the ne- we'll get to the next international break. If he loses against Southampton, would I argue with the club either way? I- I'm indifferent. Not That's, again, an issue I've got. I don't know whether he's the right man and like like you said Tom with the passion we want passion that's all we want you know you might not be the greatest in the world even if as a player you know you remember players who were pretty pretty awful for us but if they've got the passion and they work hard that that really gets you gets you a lot lot further with the Everton fans and most other things but uh, with Silver I, I think his days are numbered next time I come on this po- podcast I don't know whether he'll be here or not to be honest if he doesn't that's if he doesn't beat Southampton 
Well, next time you come on this podcast, Everton will probably have lost the football game. Oh, 100%, anyway, so. absolutely. <laughs> um, we'll do predictions then. We'll finish off with predictions. I mean, again, it's 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 a it's a good couple of days, so anything can happen. But, um, well, Tom, start with you. What 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 do you think? It's hard to even give an optimistic prediction <laughs> at this point. It's like, obviously, I'd love to, I always like to predict a win. But at this point, it doesn't even feel right. It just, it, like... But yeah, I, 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 we've got to be beating Southampton. So, um, but I don't think it'll be convincing. So I'll go for a one 0 win. Okay, one 0 win. Right, I'm going to change my tactics here. Every time I've been on this podcast, we've lost the game afterwards. But that's only because I've predicted a win every time. Okay. So I'm going to predict one all draw, and we're going. To, and, but with the like sort of inverted commas, that's my reason why. Okay. Well, to be honest, I'm going to go with what you just kind of what you just said. Mm. I think I've been one quite all. positive over the the course of the. The past couple of weeks, and I've predicted wins. I'm going to say a draw, um, and I'm going to go two-two. And whether, to be honest, I, I still think it probably will be enough to keep him in the job until after the um, the international. That's because there's no one else available. I, I fear, to be honest, that's the only thing, isn't mm. it? No one else have well. The Bayern Munich manager just been sacked. Should we have him? That's crazy, that he's been sacked. I tell you what, if if we're not uh, even making a speculative phone call, if Mr. Brand isn't on his phone making a very very speculative phone call to his agent, we're not doing the right thing. Because okay, you might you might put the phone down straight away, but you've got to try, haven't you? You know what I mean? Well, we've talked about shortlist being drawn up, so again, uh, you know, you would expect David Moyes being the top of it probably to have happened. But yeah, that's my prediction. I'm going to go with two two. I don't think I don't think we'll win. I think it'll be a struggle. Um, concede. And you know, just just see what happens. See what happens down there. All right, lads. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, Ben and Tom. Appreciate you guys coming on the show. Southampton, uh, a massive game now for Everton on Saturday, um, which is well, it is a must-win game, isn't it, lads? So, uh, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street Fan Podcast on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.